Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Well, you know if Ed says that actually it's a good thing to give up food, it's a big statement for a guy like Edwin. This guy likes his food. You don't get those guns without eating, I tell you what. You've got to eat those things to feed those things. Stakes in the ground. And um, really exciting. And, and we've had an amazing week. We finished the, the series in Galatians. We then had Aaron McElroy last week. Didn't you enjoy him? What an amazing, amazing guy. An incredible story. Quite intimidating get up. We had Mary Stewart yesterday here for the Grace Hearted event. Aaron last week. Now me. Imagine that. Incredible. Um, but we're jumping into a three-day fast. And I wanted... We just, as we came to the fast, we realized every time we've come to the fast, we've kind of just jumped in and you assume people know what's going on. You assume why you're doing it. And we make a lot of assumptions. And we wanted to take today to just put some things into the church to, to teach on this area and to say, what are we actually after here? Is this just the time the church beat themselves and sacrifice food? Is this just about food and foregoing food? Is that what fasting is about? And I trust you know and believe that it's so much more. Almost every religion does it. You know that? Um, and and, and there's a, there's a ben- because there's a, a benefit to it of giving focus and attention. But for us, when we come to fasting, it's not this beating ourselves on the back, trying to move God from his place so that he would move and he would do something. We are actually coming so that we would get our attention, our focus in line and give him everything of that attention and that focus. And I've called tonight God of the breakthrough because when we come to fasting, it's not a case of, well, we're just having another prayer meeting, just another church moment, just another happening in the life of the church. We are trusting God for amazing things. And every time the church fasts, if you look at the Old Testament, New Testament, it seems to be this rhythm of prayer, fasting, and breakthrough. Prayer, fasting, and breakthrough. When you look at the revivals of church history in Azusa Street and the many others, there's prayer and fasting, and then there's revival and nations turning to God. And we believe God is still in the business of breakthroughs. God is still in the business of changing nations and calling them to Him. And He's calling His people to put Him right up front at center. And something like fasting is so good for us. You won't die. Well, unless you don't drink water, you might die then. That's a problem. Bear Grylls has the rule of three. And if he says it, it's real. It means this. You can go for three minutes without air, three days without food, and three weeks without water. Yeah, that one. Three days without water and three weeks without food. You watch a lot of Bear Grylls, hey? It's just during breastfeeding or what do we, just all the time. Yes. Well, and um, you're not going to die. And so this right up front, we're calling the church to fast, and I promise you, maybe you're super intimidated. That's like for seriously higher grade Christians, and maybe one day when I'm big like them, I'll step into that. Trust me. I remember being 15 years old doing a 10-day soup fast. I didn't know what I was doing. I thought knorr cup of soup was good for you. After eight days of knorr cup of soup, your body starts tuning. How's it? There's a problem here. There's a problem here at school. But you know what? I don't regret a single thing about it. So we do need wisdom, and you do need to drink a whole lot of water if you're doing a water fast. If you are doing a soup fast, you're doing a Daniel fast, which is fruit and veg, be free to do that. But I would ask that it would be sacrificial, and you would throw yourself into God at this time. I want to give you an appetite for a God of the breakthrough, because it's so much more, like I said, than self-punishment. And there is, I want to be a community, and we want to be a part of a community that tells testimonies of the God of the breakthrough all the time. Our testimonies. 
our stories. See, we can read books about someone in America or someone up the road or somewhere else, but God's saying, I want every community to have their stories of breakthrough in God, putting their trust in God and believing that God is a God of the breakthrough. So why do we fast? Not just because it's in the calendar, not just because we kind of do it twice a year as a church, but because God's calling a people of faith to rise up. The people who can change this nation are the people who will take him seriously, believe him, put his trust in him. And God's saying, will you rise up at this time? Not let someone else take the gap. But breakthrough is a, it's actually a military concept. It's this concept that actually there's an army in front of you, you got your army, and if you break through in a specific area, a strategic zone, um, strategic ground, if you take that strategic ground, you pretty much win the battle if you break through there. So generals would focus their energies and attentions on one area of the battle line, even if the battle line was spread out across a vast field. They would focus their attention in one area to break through. They put their best soldiers there. They put their mightiest warriors. They put their biggest artilleries and everyone there. I'm trying to speak army language, but I don't really, that's all I got. That's, oh, and, and that was from that series, Band of Brothers. That's all I got. I'm finished now. But, but you break through there, you get the strategic zone, and on the other side of that is victory. And I think the concept's similar for us. I, I don't fully get breakthrough, but I've got a couple of stories of trying to get it. You wouldn't believe it now. I know, just hold the gasp. I used to actually play a sport called rugby. It's true. It's true. Just relax. Stay Why are you laughing, boo? That's not cool, eh? Just hold, rein it in. I used to play rugby, and, and, but I was more of a nice Berta than a Henry Honeyball as a fluff, if you know what that means. It basically means I didn't really like guys touching me, especially with their shoulders in a sore kind of way. Didn't enjoy that. So I was given two feet. I used them a lot. It means I kicked the ball a lot. I tried, and if I got the ball, I basically ran into space. I looked where there weren't people, I ran there, and then did something with my feet to get the ball away from me. It's a miracle strategy. It worked for many years. I got away with it for a long time. But there was one game. It was the Moore Cup final, under 21. It was a big, it was like my big opportunity, and I got pulled in. I was playing out of position at fullback, and there was this moment. You know when, when life slows down to like a slow blur? You ever had that? It's yeah. like, kind of like watching YouTube videos really slowly of a car crash, like it's coming, it's coming. I, life slowed down to a slow blur in that moment, and I came from the back. The team were under pressure. We needed a breakthrough. And I came running, and I took the ball, and instead of running to the usual open space, I turned. And I ran, and for a few amazing, glorious split seconds, it was glorious. And I opened my half open one eye and realized I was running at the two biggest men I've ever seen in my life. They were standing, waiting. Honestly, they were like drooling, like my Labrador does when we eat dinner. They were like drooling, here comes supper. And those were glorious split seconds. And then I woke up in the ambulance with a broken collarbone. I didn't break through. Unfortunately, there was no victory in my attempts to break through. And we're all going to learn those lessons, but I'm not God. And we're coming to the God of the breakthrough for victory. We're coming to the one who is the God of the breakthrough because he's done it since the beginning of time. He did it before Jesus. He did it in Jesus, and he continues to do it. And we come to him who knows victory, who brought breakthrough for us, and says, actually, I'll take you who in your own ability cannot break through. You know that thing you just can't get through, you can't get over, that thing that keeps pulling you back? You can't actually do it by yourself. That's why you need me. That's why you need the victory I gave you on the cross. That's why you need the story of the gospel to be pouring over you because I am the God of the breakthrough and I will pull you into victory and I'll pull you into a story that's bigger than yourself. So we're praying this week for the God of the breakthrough and there are many different kinds of breakthroughs. 
Spiritual breakthroughs. I, I, I trust even this week as you're coming, some of you are like, I want more of God. Why? Because there is so much more of God. Maybe you look at Lee and he's worshiping. He starts singing songs from his soul. They aren't made up lines. They're songs from his soul because his soul knows what it is to worship God and be in the presence of God. Maybe he's saying, I want that. Well, go after that. Go after it. Because it's accessible in Jesus. It's accessible in his spirit. It's accessible because he's won the victory for you. And he says, there is more for you. We worship the God of how much more? Go after that. And there are these spiritual breakthroughs. It's Paul and Damascus Road and bah, encountering God. He goes from Saul to Paul in one encounter with God. Maybe you're pursuing an encounter with God. Go after it. Why should it just be for someone else? Maybe it's, it's Peter on the roof in Acts 9 and, and, and he's, he has this experience on the rooftop in Joppa and it completely changes his heart and ministry and how the gospel goes to the nations. Allow God to do these things in your heart and that they wouldn't just be someone else's story from someone else's Bible or someone else's journal. Maybe you're pressing into God for healing. See, when I was preaching this morning, sitting over here is a man whose wife has been unbelievably sick, has been in critical care unit for a number of weeks, actually. And he's crying out for something. And next to him is a father who's crying out for the same thing. And sitting at the back over there is a lady who's crying out for healing. Why? Because we're crying out to the God who is a healer. And to, to believe in healing is not enough. It's to believe that he is the healer. To believe that he is sufficient. That he is glorious and he's still in the business of taking broken things and making them whole. Otherwise we're just wasting our time pulling ourselves away from food. But when we're pulling ourselves away to pull ourselves into a bigger story and into the person and the character and the nature and the essence of who God is, the God of the breakthrough, we are taking ourselves away from something that is good, but it's earthly and it's given to us as a gift into someone that is great, who for eternity will pull us into a bigger story. And we sing songs like, let heaven come. What are we singing? We're saying we want something of that is which is to come. The fullness of heaven where there's healing and where there's wholeness and there there's no sickness. We are calling that into now. That doesn't just happen, guys. It doesn't just happen by going to meetings. It doesn't just happen by, by religiously reading some Bible scriptures in the morning. It doesn't just happen. It happens because the keys of faith unlock the kingdom of God in this time, at this time where people are looking for answers. I believe that God is a healer. And maybe there's opposition or enemies. Maybe even in your story, there are challenges. There are people here trusting for breakthrough of a legal nature. There are people here trusting for breakthrough of relationships that are out of kilter. Maybe there's just actually persecution in your marketplace. Or what do you do with it? And I'd like to show you why fasting is so intricate to pulling us back into a story where God becomes front and center of our story and we become less. But I believe this in John chapter 14, Jesus said this. Because there's a bigger question as we come to these things. If we come to fasting, but we're not really trusting the God of the breakthrough, all we are doing is a religious work. Here's the thing. It'll have some benefit. You'll probably lose a bit of weight. If you go and eat a Kentucky bucket afterwards, you'll be heavier the next day. So don't do that. It's not wise. You won't feel good. I promise you. I've seen someone do it. And um, John 14, Jesus says this. I believe... Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. See, I'm a little ruined. I've seen some amazing miracles. I'm a little bit ruined to believe that God isn't a healer. I'm ruined for that because I've seen too much. I've seen God heal impossible situations. 
When we fasted as a community in that that 10-day fast, when I didn't know what I was doing, and I did it a little bit because everyone was doing it, in that 10-day fast, a girl named Cora got healed of leukemia. She was 13 years old at the time. Today, she's a mother. Why? Because God is a God of the breakthrough. It says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask for me anything in my name, and I will do it. What does he say twice there? He says, ask me. Ask me. Don't just get satisfied, well, if God wants to do it. It's such a posture thing. Even that song, Let Heaven Come, it's like it's pulling me into a front-footed posture. I'm pushing into more. Jesus is saying, will you get on the front foot, Christians? Will you get on the front foot of asking me and petitioning me and calling on my name, not in a beggar kind of way? But as a son and a daughter, when my son wants something, Dad, I want to go to a play date. Dad, I want to go to a play date. Dad, play date. He gets on the front foot. Generally to go to Keith and Sharon's house. And, and, but he knows what it is as a son to petition his father because his father's good and wants the best from him as well. And then he's got to understand the story. But, but with God, we get on the back foot and we do this. Ah, if God wants to. You see, when you're the husband of a wife who's in critical care and actually is on a terrible trajectory, you don't get on the back foot and go, if God wants to. There's nothing like pain. There's nothing like processing some loss to get us on the front foot pushing back into God. We've got to remind ourselves we're in a battle. We've got to remind ourselves that actually we are called to be a people of breakthrough because our God is a God of breakthrough and He's pulling us into His story. We aren't pulling Him into ours. If it was just my story, it would be comfort. It would be selfishness. It would be smallness. It would be about me. If God was in my story, it would be like, God, if you could just be my big lazy boy for life. Honestly, I love a lazy boy. It's a lovely thing. But God says, I'm not your lazy boy. You're in my story, and I pull you into a bigger story. I pull you into a story where you'll see things that the world will think is crazy, but those things will open up the broken hearts, the broken broken cities. They'll open up, and I want to pull you into that because I am the God of the breakthrough. See, right now, this afternoon, people in this community, there are prayer chains going praying for that one lady. If we're fasting for three days, and it's all for one lady named Andrea Hughes, then it's all worth it. Just telling you. God will take hundreds of people, let them fast for three days so that one girl can find, find healing in God so that a city can hear about a God who's greater than a disease called lupus. I'm telling you, it's how God works. God of the breakthrough. And the life of Jesus and a life with Jesus is marked with breakthroughs. And so what happens is you, go, you find one and then you celebrate that because understand this, you're going to need more. I can't keep telling the stories of when I was 15, I had a breakthrough. I want to, my life should be stories after stories as God takes us, as he promises from glory to glory that there are greater breakthroughs in every part of our story. I'm just trying to give you an appetite for God. I, I, that's all I'm trying to, I'm trying to give you an appetite for Jesus, who he is. Not my zeal or my passion or my story. He wants you to have your own story. He wants you to call others with your story into a bigger story called the gospel. I want to jump to a scripture, and um, it's, it's two lessons from two different kings today. But here's the challenge of why the church fasts, and here's the challenge to you. Maybe you're sitting there and going, last week when Tyler got us excited about the fast, I clapped with them, but in me there was no clap. I was lying by clapping. I'm just lying. 
It's okay, because I did that for years in church too. You'll be okay. I'm trying to get that clap on the outside onto a clap on the inside because of who God is. I want to ask you, when last did you do something that had the potential, and by something I mean put faith in Jesus, when last did you do something that had the potential to change the status quo? If an earthly man of like Einstein can come up with something like insanity is to do the same thing, the same thing again, and expect different results. If an earthly man can work that out, then the sons of God have to understand that God's wanting us to activate faith, to press into him, to see things different. So two scriptures that I trust will pull us into a story. And the first one is not actually about fasting, but it is about praying. And it's about a man who knows breakthrough. It's about King David, a worshiper of God who'd had to overcome many internal enemies. His own family, he's stuck at the back of the line. Then he had a fight, a a giant. Then he had to go and, and, and worship in front of a mad king who ended up chasing him and he had to live in caves and overcome all these battles. And then finally, finally, he steps into the, the, the reign that God has called him to be as king of the nation and that this whole thing goes down. In 1 Chronicles 14, it says, When the Philistines learned that David had been made king of Israel, they mobilized all their forces against him to attack him and enslave him. But David heard the news and fought and moved into his fortified place. Then the Philistine army moved in and spread out across the entire valley. So David sought the Lord in prayer. He asked, should I go fight these Philistines? Will you give them over to me? The Lord replied, yes, go ahead. You can certainly count on me to give you the victory. So David went out and defeated them. Then David said, I watched the Lord break through my enemies like a mighty flood. So he named the place the Lord broke through. Barbarism. Just a couple of points from this. I think it's a great story. Of a king who just steps into space, it's all good. Then what happens? The enemy attacks. Says they mobilize their forces against him to attack and enslave him. Here's the thing. Even if you're feeling comfy, even if you feel like life's all good, you just got that thing you struggled with the last two years under control. Right now, you're in the space where the enemy is wanting to enslave you. Just telling you. It's not a threat. It's not a, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just telling you. You have an enemy. The minute you put your hand up and sang songs like, let heaven come, Lord, you are Lord of my life, there's an enemy in your story. And before, he was less worried about you because you weren't counting for a story. But the minute you put your hand up to step into a kingdom story, saying, actually, I want to enslave there. I want to bring smallness there. If I can just get them chained to a tree, so, and the tree just being, if I can just get them to be apathetic. And maybe stay away from something like a fast or something like pushing into God. If I can just get him to stay in the place that is safe so it has no cost to it. And David has the same call and the enemy is going after it. What's holding you hostage right now? If, 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 we, if we shut off the lights and I said, are you fasting? Why aren't you fasting? Right now, what's holding you hostage? Well, at the end you've got to say, do I believe that God is who he says I is? Then you've got to look at the Bible and say, do I believe and do I see a, a rhythm and evidence that wherever God's people pray and fast, there are miracles? Because if you believe those two things, I would tell you, there's breakthrough on the other side of these days, three days for you. It's just what it is. You've got to make a decision. And then of this man, David, it says, but David heard the news and moved to his fortified place. He's not, you know what people call, some Christians love to call faith. I just deny that. It's cancer. No, it's not. It's arthritis. No, it's not. That's not faith. That's called denial. That's called sticking your head in the sand. 
Faith is looking the thing in the eye. I'm spitting a lot tonight. I really do apologize. We haven't met. I'm not spitting for any reason. I apologize. But faith is not sticking your head in the sand and saying, no, it's not. That's not faith. Faith is looking that thing like cancer and any diagnosis that can come your way in the eye and say, I see you. And you have some power and you have some authority. But let me tell you, he has the greatest power and the authority of my life. His name is Jesus. He is far above lupus. He is far above cancer. He is far above anything that would come and limit and enslave your life. And David does that. He says he heard the news, but he moves to his fortified place. Will you move? Not just this week on our fast, but, but when you get bad news, when you get the challenge, the attack, what do you do? The response of David, the worshiper, the greatest king, an example, and a Jesus-like man that we are given, he moves, and I love this line, to his fortified place. What is your fortified place? I'm, I'm 38 now. I've hit the zone where it seems a lot of chaos goes down in life. This week, this week, uh, Wednesday night, I was in the home of a lady with her husband who had passed away, was lying on the couch. She was standing next to me. I got to pray with her. The next day, at 11 o'clock at night, I'm in the hospital of Christian Barnard praying for a girl who's critically ill. The next day, I got a phone call from one of my best friends whose wife just had an affair on him. Where do you run? Where do you go? If cancer became part of your story tomorrow, not someone else's story that you know, not someone at your workplace, in your story. If cancer became part of your story tomorrow, where would you move to? Because David tells us, all of us need a fortified place, a place that is strong, a fort. We speak of Jesus, he says, comfort, comfort my people. Why? Because Jesus is the fort to which we are called to come. Because he is strong, he is mighty. His love and his arms are wide, to hold. And David, a king who had all his generals, who had all his armies and all the artillery of the world lined up, he didn't run to them. He pulls back and moves to his fortified place in prayer. It's got to be a challenge to us. So then the Philistine army moved in and spread out across the, I missed one there. Yeah. They moved in, spread across the entire valley. When the enemy comes, they don't just come in ones and twos. Hey, we're here. They just come in the whole valley. And maybe, maybe your valley looks like uh, my wife's giving me issues, workers on trouble, and finances are bad. Maybe it's the enemy. It's all over. It says that David sought the Lord in prayer. He says, should I go fight? Will you give them over to me? Yes, you can go ahead. See, maybe you need victory in your marketplace. Maybe you need overcoming and you've got your own company and you need a breakthrough. When last did you seek the Lord? Now, don't tell me I pray every day. No, no, I know lots of people who pray to God, at God. When last did you inquire of God? My father, who gave me gifts and skills and positioned me at, in this city at this time, my father, what's the plan here? What's the plan? If the greatest king who could ever live has to do that, I would suggest that maybe you and I do too. We need to go on that same journey. And God says, actually, yes, you go ahead. Oh, Mark, that's for those guys who hear God clearly. Now, the promise of the Bible is that you can too. Romans 12 teaches us. You can know the will of God. You can test and approve His will. 
His good, perfect, and pleasing will. Here's the challenge. It might not always look good, perfect, and pleasing to you, but it'll always be good, perfect, and pleasing for you because he's a good father, and he has plans for your life, plans to prosper you. He says, but actually, will you seek me? Will you inquire of me? Then David said, I watched the Lord break through my enemies like a mighty flood. See, I watched the Lord break through. We're so used to fighting so that what? We get the glory afterwards. The promotion comes in the marketplace. Oh, look at me, look at me. Way. I'm amazing. No. How amazing is God? I love the story of a friend of mine. He started out in a school. Ah, what's that school in Durban? Where kids with learning disabilities go to. Living, uh, living, yeah. And, and it's, it's a school where, where kids go to because they have massive ADHD or illiteracy or a whole bunch of challenges. And, and a, a friend of mine who had credible challenges with ADHD started out in Livingston. You know, he finished his education doing a PhD at Oxford, paid for by the Rhodes Scholarship. And as he went for his last interview and he had eight of South Africa's top, top business people in front of him, they said, what is your biggest thing in life? What do you want to achieve and what do you want your legacy to be? He hadn't got the scholarship yet. He said, I want to be someone who gives God all the glory because I'm only here because of him anyway. He ended up winning a scholarship worth a lot of money and I had the privilege of visiting him at Oxford as he was studying there, staying in these amazing rooms with some of the most amazing scholars and influential people of our times have come from. Who's the God who takes people from Livingston to Oxford? And why can't he do it with you? Don't tell me he can't do it with you. He wants to do it with you. See, but you know what I know about that guy? In 1996, when our church outgrew the venues that we could stand, and we had to build a building, I watched that guy who lived in my street sell his bicycle and give the money to a church building. Ten years later, he's finishing his degree at Oxford. I go, God, you will not be mocked. Those who sow will reap. And if we would sow in sacrifice of food, I promise you will reap an inheritance that will blow your mind away. Have you got one more quick story? Five minutes. Because this one's good. This guy's got a cool name like Jehoshaphat. It's a great name for your next boy, Gabe. Sounds like a redhead when I say it. Jehoshaphat. Jeho it's definitely a redhead. And... Um, 2 Chronicles 20, verse 1 to 4. After this, pretty much the same story. I don't want to give you all the background, but this king, he's just had major reform and major breakthrough in his leadership and in his kingdom. And it says, after this, three enemies joined forces against Judah. Just notice, three enemies. The Moabites, the Ammonites, and the Nuanites. Nuanites. Three enemies, not one. Messengers told the king that a vast army is coming against you. Who knows that bad news will always get you quicker than good news always will. There's a vast army coming. Shot. Thanks for that. Very encouraging. Off with your head. No, he didn't say that. He said, alarmed and afraid. I love the honesty of the Bible. It's just honest. Saying this is a king. He's the king. It says, alarmed and afraid. Not the news guy, Jehoshaphat. See, and sitting in row three this morning is a husband and a father who were alarmed and afraid. And I asked him in front of a couple hundred people, I said, are you afraid right now? He said, yes. Why? It's not bad to be alarmed and afraid if it causes us to run to the king, if it causes us to get on our knees and trust again. And where else can we go? Yeah. 
See, at 11 o'clock at night, on Thursday night, I'm sitting next to that man holding his hand and praying for his wife as she is not with us right now because she was not conscious. Where else can he go? Doctors have given up. I did their wedding two years ago. She's 28 years old. Where else do we go? Where else do you go when that's your story? It says, alarmed and afraid, King Jehoshaphat resolved to seek the Lord. He made the decision to seek the Lord. You want to make a decision this week? You want to walk and break through? Start here. Make a decision to seek the Lord. Which is way more than religion. Which is way more than tick box Christianity. It is making a decision to seek God in the midst of the chaos. To quieten the voices. Maybe saying, I can't fast. I need to take time to process my kids. No, your kids need you to seek the Lord. It's what they need the most from you. And then it says this, he proclaimed a fast for everyone. So it starts with the individual, even tonight. Don't fast because the people are fasting and get pulled up in corporate faith. Go on your faith story and let it flow into a bigger story. That actually there would be 600 people, 700 people, 1,000 people praying for you because your church is praying. And some of them meet in, you'll never meet them because they, they're sitting in, 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 in Milneton in the morning and some are in the morning congregation. No, you're praying because we're a people that are calling to come together in prayer. It says, so all the people came together to seek the Lord. They came from everywhere to seek God. Resolved to seek the Lord. Proclaimed a fast, and the people came from everywhere. And I want to give you the result. This is the result in verse 13. All the men of Judah, with their wives and children and little ones, stood before the Lord. Can I just, to the crew at the back there, with the babies. I absolutely love it that you are here. And the other ones, you've got little ones sitting here with you. Don't let your kids be left out of a faith story. Your faith story is their faith story. Them watching you go on a faith story. And the world's going to shout, oh, if your kid gets to bed 20 minutes after bedtime, oh, watch out. No, take them on a faith story and let them learn what it is to trust God from you. Let them learn what it is to sacrifice for God from you, not from a preacher one day, from you. To the moms in the mother's room, we love you. But allow your kids to go on a faith story. They aren't junior Christians. They have God inside of them. It says, Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, son of Benaniah, son of Jael, son of Mataniah, that guy, a Levite, a descendant. Says, he says, Listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says, Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours but is God's. Verse 17, you will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them, and the Lord will be with you. And that basically ends up happening. The enemy, all three of them, fight each other, kill each other, and God's people walk into victory. What do I love about this story? Jehaziel was no one. He wasn't a prophet. He was a son. He was a worshiper. Why do we call the people together? Because it's not my voice only that counts at this time or Gabe or the other leaders in this community. It is your voice that matters. Last story. This man is a worshiper. 
He stands over here. There's an owl in the morning. There are two owls. He stands on that side of the owl. He comes smart with a tie often in the morning. Heard the most amazing story this morning of a mother who said to me, actually, that guy stands outside and I, my husband wasn't saved, wasn't coming to church and I kept bringing my son. I'm using vague things because I don't want you to know names, but I brought my son to church and one day I asked my son, why do you want to come to church, boy? He said, no. He said, why don't you want to come to church? No, because you know that guy who stands on the left with a tie and jumps around and worship and, and shouts and worships Jesus? I said, yes. He says, no, that guy makes me sad. Why does he make you sad, boy? No, because I want that, my dad to be like that. And then two months ago, that little boy's dad got saved. And I don't know what part you played. I'll never know what part you played. And he'll probably never know what part you played. But as you worship and as you gather and as you take up your responsibility to lift up those around you, watch what happens when God's people allow God to be God and God's people trust Him. Can I pray for us? Is that all right, guys? Can we stand together? Maybe that's the first step of moving. I really am pumped. Why? Because I... I want to be a part of people who are renowned for their faith in God and he gave them victories. Yeah. And God wants to give us victories. Can we lift our hands to him as we come to a close tonight? Jesus, yeah. I thank you that there will never be a greater sign of victory. What the world thought was the greatest loss, yeah. you turned into the greatest victory and breakthrough this That's world great. has ever known. And we throw ourselves into you at this time. We place our trust in you. Even where our faith is lacking and it's as small as a mustard seed, we choose at this time to plant it in you. For some, the idea of fasting is very foreign, and I get that, God, but I pray you would pull them into a bigger faith story. Why? So that fathers of little boys can keep getting saved and start worshiping Jesus. So that ladies who are lying in hospitals today in time to come, we'll be telling testimonies of how the prayers of the saints yeah, thank you, Lord. placed in faith in the healer brought her out of that hospital bed. And Jesus, ultimately, so that you can get all the glory. David, just a son. Jehoshaphat, just a son. There are Davids and Jehoshaphats in these seats tonight, God. And I thank you for that. And I call out the warriors. I call out the faith. I call out the seeds that we sown for future breakthroughs and victories. We worship your King. Amen. Amen.